Welcome to episode 33 of Contested Catch. It's our week six recap. We're talking waiver wire today. We're talking about some injuries that happened over this weekend. And of course, we're doing that all with our shirtless comrade, our co-host, our data specialist, Jeff Gould. Jeff, how are you, my friend? Hey, hey, Will. Another week, another win. Yep, you are sitting pretty at 6-0 and in my division in our uh, very competitive home league. Uh, that we like to update you guys on. And Jeff is just flying high, man. Uh, meanwhile, my third straight week with multiple in-game injuries on my starting lineup. Not going to be too salty, but uh, I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Um, Jeff, before we get into the show today, I wanted to quickly give our uh, our listeners a re- uh, an update on you know the biggest thing that we, well, besides the DFS optimizer, the biggest thing that we talk about is the the rock score. And just this morning, you have pushed out a new update um, with just some, you know, some nice addition, additional features, um, making one that was partially working fully active now. So tell us what is new with The Rock. Yeah, so I had a quick work meeting this morning and then I was like, hey, you know what? Not feeling it right now. Let's do some fancy football work instead. So, um, you know, we had a position filter on there, but it wasn't 100 percent because I was trying to pull off of old like roster data, but thankfully our friends who maintain the NFL faster package, uh, Ben Baldwin and Mr. Um, at Mr. Case B on Twitter, they figured out how to uh, navigate the NFL's new API, get the updated roster data and decode the um, player ID. So now it should be a, should be fully, uh, you know, merging the play-by-play data with the, Play, um, player ID in roster database and completely filter things down, which is a lot easier when you're trying to sort onto tight ends and you see DK Metcalf at the top because, you know, that I, I didn't want to have players like taken out. Uh, and it was just kind of like the default as well. If they don't have a position, they'll keep them in. And then also with that, we're now able to display full player names, which is a little bit nicer than, you know, just seeing like, uh, I don't know, D Dopper and like, yeah. Uh, see that clay pool so just a little cleaner and then in our the data table at the bottom i just added a feature that i thought might be nice to uh uh allow you to just kind of sort down on different variables so you can go and say okay i only want to see players with greater than 20 percent target share and air yard share or you know i only want players with an a dot uh greater than 11 as that say i don't know maybe you're trying to you know, build your DraftKings lineups and higher ADOT players seem to have a higher ceiling. So you can say, okay, I only want to see players with, you know, this ADOT and just let you, t- you know, filter things down a little bit and just have a little bit more customization. Yeah. Um, the, that last part I think is actually really nice because, you know, our OG fans will remember the AOC from uh, season one, obviously last year, um, which is what I was doing by hand manually. <laughs> and one of the things I did was actually set certain thresholds um, with which to include or exclude certain players, because basically, you know, we had to cut it off at some point. It, it was no use to show you what a guy that has one target for like 10 air yards, like just no use. So cut it off somewhere. And I think this is just nice now that people can be like, um, you know, I'm looking for guys with X target share. But basically, you can just kind of see who comes up when you say, I want, you know, it's better than 20% target share, um, you know, more than 200 air yards the last three weeks and X red zone targets. 
Um, I think that is a really, really nice improvement. And also on the position filtering, which like like we already said, it was partially working at, at a time. Uh, it's nice now to be able to filter down to just running backs, because as we've talked about a lot, the rock is not friendly to running backs because they just don't produce and they don't get opportunity uh, in the same um, way that receivers or even tight ends do. So now you will actually be able to see that Alvin Kamara is just like a world of, ahead of every other running back um, without having to manually skip over people. So good stuff, Jeff. Um, very excited to use that in its, its new and improved state. Um, moving down now to the next topic for us, which is our DFS recap. So, you know, we like to just kind of take a look back at how we did last uh, this past weekend and, you know, any takeaways that we had. Um, obviously, we like to tout our wins, but also acknowledge our defeats because a lot of people are are using our takes from the DFS preview on Friday. So, Jeff, how did we do in our DFS plays this week? Uh, I think this was probably our weakest week since having the new optimizer. The big mistake was that we just simply barely had any Deshaun Watson. Um, now, we still had a good amount of that game because we played a lot of Ryan Tannehill and had uh, like several stacks with Cooks or Fuller. So those you know were good lineups. Um, and I felt like Tannehill was probably a little bit of a better play. So I just felt like having the exposure by, via him was, I guess, maybe going to give us a little more leverage. But, um, you know, I think Tannehill was still like the QB3 on the slate. So it's not like it was bad. Just Watson was QB1. Um, we were overweight on DeAndre Swift, which turned out to be a great call. Um, you know, unfortunately, we just didn't quite have, uh, you know, and, you know, our best lineup, it was Tannehill. And then uh, Julio, Justin Jefferson, I think Will Fuller, AJ Brown, and I might even had Frisker in there. Um, I mean, so, but then we just dudded out at running back because it was Alexander Madison. Um, so, you know, we were, we were really close. just didn't get the pieces together again. Um, you know, and then what hurt us a ton overall was that we were heavy on cam and we were heavy on Aaron Rodgers. For Cam, I think the lesson is kind of that offensive line matters. Like uh, this offense, like the offensive line didn't look good. And it was just their first, like this game was the first time those five players were actually sharing a field together. They just due to injuries and then the COVID interrupting practice schedules. Like I heard during the broadcast that like those five players have not practiced together as one cohesive offensive line. Um, you know, had I known that ahead of time would have been, you know, less heavy on camp than we were. Um, and I think the lesson for Aaron Rodgers is that he's only a good fantasy player against bad defenses. <laughs> uh, you know, on the Deshaun Watson thing, Jeff, I did say we need some more Deshaun Watson. I did sprinkle him in a little bit. At the you end. did sprinkle him in. You did sprinkle him in. No, I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I felt really good about Will Fuller having a blow up game, uh, which he kind of did. Um, so he was a little he performed a little bit less than I thought. Um, but I talked to some people about it this week. And anyway, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, I think it's really good to be able to take a look back and, and realize what you didn't account for that you should have and should going forward. And so that's the, that those are the takeaways from last weekend. And we're looking forward to a profitable weekend in week seven. And we'll get to that again, as usual, on our Friday show, our weekend preview. So, um, Jeff, moving now down towards the injury section. Um, unfortunately, we have a few to talk about. 
Um, starting in Philadelphia, obviously, Miles Sanders went out with a leg injury. I believe uh, I've heard it called an ankle. I believe it was a knee. He is doubtful, if not already, you know, assumed to be out for Thursday night. Um, so be fully prepared not to have Miles Sanders in your lineup. And unfortunately, Zach Ertz also went down with an injury. Um, so he is going to be out. I didn't realize Ertz was playing yet anyways. <laughs> exactly. He's been a complete disaster. Um you know, we're going to talk about the replacements within Philadelphia and, and the people that have really, I guess, uh, their stock really goes up as a result of these two injuries, Jeff. But first, let's just focus on how are you handling the Miles Sanders injury specifically in terms of his dra- his, his stock? If someone were to you know offer you a trade for Miles Sanders this week, maybe you're sitting at like two and four or one and five. Are you trading Miles Sanders based on this injury? I, I mean, I would probably look to. I haven't been particularly impressed with him this year. And it's also already his second injury. Um, you know, he got hurt in during training camp with the hamstring. And I mean, not that I think these are related, but you know, basically I, I just don't really see where that he's necessarily gonna be. I mean, not that anyone's a hundred percent, but you know, just a culmination of things perhaps slow him down more than what might necessarily realize. Um, you know, if you have him, you know, again, because he missed that first game, um, he just like you know, you're probably not in good shape that you really might need to just try and manufacture some wins and, you know, ship them off. I mean, I, I still feel like he's going to have a lower end running back one price tag sort of just off of like the name brand that you might be able to get a little bit, um, you know, positive return on that. Um, I mean, like, but I know I'm also been a little lower on him than consensus. Um, you know, I think he's really just salvaging his fantasy value with big playability uh, but like the actual play to play consistency hasn't really been there. Uh, run blocking for the Eagles has been pretty much like average, uh, even though they are having some like high expected yards at handoff. It's actually been among the highest in the league for Sanders. Uh, most of the time that they're underperforming like that at almost a league high rate, you know, like I said, it's just he's been able to salvage it with a little bit of receiving work and then with uh breaking off like a couple you know like that 75 yard run the other day so i don't know i feel like it's you know between like the highlight plays and uh name brand first round draft capital fantasy first round draft capital i think you could still probably actually get a good return on him yeah that's that's a fair take although i you know obviously i'm a little bit more of well definitely more than you but in general i'm a little bit of a miles sanders stan i do believe the talent is there i thought the situation would be there before these injuries just continue to continue to hammer philadelphia i i think there is an enormous talent difference between uh, miles sanders and the rest of the running backs on the roster unless you consider jalen hurts a running back when you know he's been a decent <laughs> running runner so far this year actually carson wentz has been a good runner as well um so personally, I actually see this as a potential buy opportunity for Miles Sanders because I believe in in his talent. Um, like you said, Jeff, he has been salvaging some otherwise okay days um, with a long run here and there. But at the same yeah, time, you I know, mean, like it's not, and it's not that I don't think he's a bad player. I mean, so he's almost you know Saquon light. I mean, it's like Saquon; he's not getting really good production on any like most of his plays. It's just right. We go and you know bounce one for like a huge gain, like you know, how much of his fantasy production would come from like one or two plays in a single game. Uh, you know, I think it's similar with Sanders, except just I was expecting more consistency given that the Eagles are a better team than, or should be a better team than the Giants. Right? Yeah. Much, they are a better team. They should be a much better team. 
I think we're just seeing in Philadelphia just an enormous like I guess shift from what we were what we expect out of the the players that we're used to there. You know, Carson Wentz has not at all played up to the standard that he had you know set for himself throughout his career thus far. Although interestingly, I think Wentz has actually been like he was the, he was an issue the first half of the season, but the last few weeks like he's actually done pretty well. But the supporting cast has been, I mean, not good. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just like uh, his he's erratic because it's not just that he's been bad. It's that he's also taken his team all the way back and then thrown a pick in the fourth quarter or something like that. Uh, or, you know, taking his team out of it in the first half and then played great the second half. And that's really tough to deal with because you'd almost just rather someone suck so you can move on. You know what I mean? Or just obviously just be great so you can stick with them. Um, but anyway, we will, con- you know, we'll circle back on, on that uh, on this team when we talked about waiver wire. Another injury that occurred, Jeff, actually a guy who has also been salvaging otherwise okay days with long plays is Raheem Mostert. Uh, He has a high ankle sprain, is expected to miss about a month, I believe. Um, Obviously, I've been fully on record not being a big Raheem Mostert fan. Unfortunately, Kyle just made him a uh, a buy in in the week six buys and sells. So unfortunately for Kyle, that's not looking too great. But, you know, it is what it is. Not predictable. Um, anyway, Raheem Mostert, Jeff, uh, you know, people were probably buying him and selling him right around the last couple of weeks as he came back from injury. This is now his second injury of the year. Uh, you know, how are you handling this situation? I'm not expecting him to produce again, really into the fantasy playoffs. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, 500, two and four right now, um, like you, you should be trying to trade him to a team that's like secure like you know five and one six and oh and has the ability to wait on him um because he's i'm not expecting him again to like week 12 13 14 and at that point i mean who knows you have mckinnon uh jamichael hasty was looking good uh tevin coleman could come back and he might not even be you know he could just be in such a big committee that you're really not even going to get fancy production from him um so yeah i mean if you're a contender and you can afford to wait and see what happens hold them if you you know not then sell him for as much as you can get and get your team to the playoffs yeah and keep in mind tevin coleman had a high ankle sprain in week one of last year he was the lead back lost the job to raheem mosert who just continued to play great in this in this system and then that dogged him all year even though he produced well in one game in, in the playoffs uh, on their super bowl run Tevin Coleman was dogged by a high ankle sprain. Well, guess what? Now we've got Raheem Mostert with one. Um, and that is never a good thing. We've talked about it all season with, you know, unfortunately, Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey, big players having that. So um, definitely, definitely concerned. I would not be uh, buying Raheem Mostert unless you literally just like it's free money. You know what I mean? Like unless you you just have you're too loaded and you could just have him as an upside flex in the event that uh, you make the championship or something like that. Um, all right, moving on, Jeff, another guy who got injured this week was Johnu Smith. And now he was said to have a minor ankle injury. So I'm really not all that concerned. Uh, he is questionable for this weekend already. So definitely keep your eye on it. But Jeff, how confident do you feel about firing up the guy who took over for him? Anthony Ferkser, who had a really solid game, uh, in, in, in week six, eight catches, 113 yards and a touchdown, you know, nine targets. I wish John Smith saw that, that production, but if John does not go, are you firing up Anthony Ferkser as a top 10 tight end? Uh, yeah, he's an absolute streaming candidate this year. I mean, how, how many 
tight ends get have the starting job and you know produce that and like at all for the whole year so um i mean i think he's solid i mean he's last three uh i guess two games for the titans last three weeks he's number three among or four among tight ends and rock score um you know and is Epis Hides, AJ Brown, then it's Adam Humphreys, maybe Corey Davis is back, but it's still like a pretty condensed offense. And Ryan Tannehill is balling out. I mean, he's like arguably a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. So yeah, just you know, stupid if, efficient. If you're getting starting tight end in a condensed offense attached to uh top five quarterback, like if I didn't tell you any of the names, you know, you're saying like, yeah, I'll stream that player. So I mean, mm-hmm. the one thing is it is a tough matchup this week against Pittsburgh, but I don't know. I mean, they've looked good. Now, we'll should mention that uh, Taylor Luan is out for the season with the torn ACL, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, that's a big blow to the offense. He's one of the best tackles in the league. So it will be interesting to see if and how that changes the efficiency of this, of this offense going forward. Yeah, and I think another thing that bodes well for Ferkser, though, is that Michael Pruitt, who seemed to be playing ahead of Ferkser, I could be wrong on that, but I, I always saw him as the the guy in, in 12 personnel next to Janu. Uh, he is on the the COVID list. So um, that bodes well for Ferkser to continue to see good amount of targets um, if if Janu Smith is not out or is not active. Excuse me. Um, all right, Jeff. Last one that I have for you here is Mark Ingram. Now, obviously, we have talked a good bit about us, you know, offline, online about Mark Ingram and this Baltimore backfield. Um, it has been incredibly frustrating because Mark Ingram obviously was an RB1 last year. Uh, Gus Edwards has been kind of a fun flex when when available or, you know, when the situation is there over the last two years. And uh, J.K. Dobbins, second round pick, uh, a lot of people were very high on him, myself included, uh, as you know, by midseason, maybe taking over this this role. But there has been no sign, despite the elusiveness metrics um, and just overall grading of this backfield, J.K. Dobbins has stood out, but he has not received the work to stand out in a fantasy uh, setting. Now Mark Ingram is injured. They are on by this week. Uh, Harbaugh, the head coach, already said that Mark Ingram has a chance to play in week eight. Now, if he has a chance to play, when we're looking at the bye, I mean, that's pretty lukewarm. We can't really infer too much, but... I guess the, the question here, Jeff, is, is this a good time to buy J.K. Dobbins? How are you feeling about this backfield knowing that uh, we don't really know too much about this injury? Um, I just still think it's kind of a mess. Um, I mean, Gus Edwards really kind of looked like he's still out-snapping um, Dobbins even with the injury. So like, I think best case scenario is to just get a game where it's Edwards and Dobbins coming off the bye and then you're back to your just – three-way committee for this year so I mean yeah I guess if you can try and sell Dobbins going into this buy knowing that not going to get production this week you know maybe you can sell him on the idea of production in week eight but still might not just be what he's been and then like you know not going to get much once Ingram is back and it's you know this three-way uh committee and especially because like you know there's no targets to these running backs i mean dobbins gets the most targets and he's the like, getting a lot of the two minute drill but like lamar just doesn't throw it to him because why throw it to the guy in the flat when you can just take off and run it better than them i actually disagree a little bit jeff i i've actually been very uh, knowing that this is a three-headed backfield i have been 
very happily surprised with how much he uh, Dobbins has seen as you know the second or third option in the backfield. He's had in the last four weeks four, two, three, and four targets. Knowing that Mark Ingram is playing ahead of him, knowing that Gus Edwards is getting more work overall, that is pretty notable, I think. And so maybe that's just the situation and who they were playing. I guess I don't know. The Baltimore struggled a little bit more overall, but I think that's notable. And I think overall, like if you are holding on to J.K. Dobbins, you have to hope that this is the moment, right? That he has a really good, uh, you know, set set of practices throughout the bye week, and that maybe Mark Ingram is either hobbled or can't go in week eight. And then J.K. Dobbins shows what he can really do. Because, you know, he's had some long runs this year already. Uh, he's looked good as a passer. He had two touchdowns in week one and hasn't really sniffed anything since. So you got to hope that this is this is the chance um, that he has to break out. But we'll see. Uh, it's definitely something worth monitoring. Moving on to our waiver wire section now. Let's talk back in Philadelphia real quick. Boston Scott and Corey Clement are the two um, guys that seem likely to take over for Miles Sanders. Now, Boston Scott had a sizable volume lead over Corey Clement uh, in week one when Miles Sanders was out. And Boston Scott was a very popular, like, zero RB target, sneaky double-digit round RB target uh, because of his pretty decent role at the second half of last year. But he did not look good. He has not looked good all year. Is this the time that Boston Scott might be a sneaky play, either in DFS or as a, a desperation flex? Or are you really reading into week one's performance and saying, yeah, uh, 2019 seemed to be more of an aberration, and I'm just fading this this offense as a whole. Um, well, I mean, he's not going to be on the DFS slate for Sunday, but for uh, this Thursday night game, I mean, I think he's okay as a flex, um, but no, if not much else. He, um, you know, like I said, he's not that good, and the I don't know, the Giants are bad, but I don't think they're like run defense is kind of the relative strength of the team. Especially because you have Dinosaur Gettleman trying to build a you know run stuffing defense and just you know all like defensive tackles on the front so that no one can get past it. I mean, um, not so not the best matchup, but you know running back is so thin and depleted that yeah you can definitely put him in your flex if you need to. Okay, um, you know we already mentioned him, but Tevin Coleman seems like a pretty interesting add now that Raheem Mostert is back on the shelf. Basically, Tevin Coleman is back or is about to be back. Um, this backfield we know is the hot Shanahan, right? It's what I call it because it's a fickle beast. Is Tevin Coleman, if he's on your waiver wire, which he probably could be, um, is he someone that you would consider picking up? Yeah, yeah, I would pick pick him up if he's there. You know, well, I wouldn't put anything more than just like a dollar bid on it. Um, you know, like I said, I think Jamichael Hasey also looked pretty solid, and McKinnon, and I mean, maybe he's the guy who ends up taking the reins for a few weeks stretch, but. Um, you know, wouldn't really bank on it and I wouldn't go out and trade for him either. Okay. Good to know. Um, now moving over to the wide receiver position also in Philadelphia, we've talked a lot about Philadelphia today, but Travis Fulgham, Jeff, he had 10 targets again in week six. So now in week five, 13 targets, 10 catches, 152 yards and a touchdown week, six, 10 targets, six catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. And I'll just throw it in there week four, you know, before, uh, he really broke out. He also had a touchdown at 57 yards. So really, this guy has emerged in the last three weeks. Just a, a, an amazing ascension for a player that was waived last year after being, a, I think it was a sixth, seventh round pick, uh, sixth round pick by Detroit. Um, Jeff, now Zach Ertz is on the shelf. Dallas Goddard might come back, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But Travis Fulgham has now seen double-digit targets in the last two games. 
with Miles Sanders out too, and he, you know, we we know that he's had a pretty sizable receiving role. Is it truly Travis Fulgham season? I mean, like based on the volume we've seen the last two weeks, he's approaching wide receiver two territory. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think he's even top ten in rock over the last three weeks. Um, so by all means, fire him up as a wide receiver too. We've seen his upside uh, just a week ago. Um, you know, when Regor and Goddard come back, I mean, okay, maybe that'll lower his ceiling a little bit, but could also just like open up the offense more. So yeah, I mean, fire him up like, as a, you know, solid wide receiver three, if not even lower end wide receiver two with, you know, big boom upside, especially this week against the Giants. Um, you know, and he'll be, you know, all systems go, like I said, on I don't think all Sean's going to come in and replace him. Deshaun Jackson hasn't done anything outside of week one, 29, since week one, 2019. So, I mean, I think he's basically, he's earned the starting role there. A hundred percent. I think he's, a, I think he looks great for dynasty as well, honestly, because I can't imagine they're going to really pivot off him because he's been the brightest spot that Philadelphia's had at receiver in a while. Um, the last three weeks, you know, this includes only a three target performance in week four, the last three weeks, Jeff, He's 11th in Rock. That's ahead of the likes of Robbie Anderson, Marquise Brown, Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, Travis Kelsey. I mean, he has had legit volume. So I'm definitely buying Travis Fulgham. Um, another uh, waiver wire topic here, Jeff, for wide receivers is not Nicole Hardman. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that I was uh, buying him in my Monday Night Football preview in the Contessa Catch-Up last week. Um I, I was wrong. I really expected Michael Hardman to get an increase in um, in usage as a result of Sammy Watkins' injury, but truly it appears that Michael Hardman is nothing but a return specialist, a gadget player, and maybe like the the guy who fills in for Tyreek Hill if he were to get injured. So I guess keep that in mind. But I mean, Byron Pringle um, looked like the better player. He saw way more work. Michael Hardman only had one target. And it was a drop. Um, it was a wet wet day, but still. Um, and then, um, Demarcus Robinson was actually like the most, uh, voluminous receiver, I guess, in, in, for in the first half, at least he led the chiefs with a nice 69 snap count. Well, there you go. So definitely notable. I just wanted to acknowledge that because I had, you know, been talking about it a little bit last week. Um, Jeff, who else are you looking at for wide receivers, uh, on the waiver wire this week? Uh, I think number one is Demir Bird. He's the wide a wide receiver for the Patriots, and he's quietly amassed a 50% air yard share over the last few games. Uh, he's 27 years old, 4'3", 940. So you know where you school, he, Jeff? I don't even remember. I looked it up. South earlier, Carolina, baby. There you go. So Jameer Bird um, was a was a staple of uh, of training camp reports in Carolina with Cam Newton. This is actually he was on my radar in the, in the preseason or in, uh, before the season started, I should say, because of his rapport with Cam Newton, because he was a really explosive playmaker uh, during his college days, but he has not been able to make consistent, uh, I guess, make consistent presence on the field um, in his career. But yeah, you, you were saying it, man. I mean, he's really getting great, great usage. Yep. So he's the uh, uh, one of the guys I'm going to, I mean, I actually added him ahead of Sunday's game and even sprinkled him into a couple of our Cam lineups as well. Nice. Of course, we know those didn't hit. Uh, <laughs> the wide receiver one in Denver, Tim Patrick. I mean, over the last few weeks, he's actually um, ahead of even Allen Robinson and Stephon Diggs in rock score. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not necessarily the best offense, but he's still getting a ton of volume. 
27% target share, 42% air yard share. I mean, that's what you look for. Uh, I think he's a really good add off the waiver wire. Jeff, you had a great call pointing out Tim Patrick uh, as a guy that you wanted in that. It was our sneaky plays for this uh, for this weekend, for week six. Good job. Thank you. you know, that's what happens when you don't get caught up in the Alabama hype train of some <laughs> undersized wide receivers. Fine, um, fine, fine. Uh, Sterling Shepard is coming back from injury for the Giants. Uh, you know, it's, there's a chance whoever drafted him released him. So he's definitely worth adding if he's out there on your waiver wire, or maybe even see if you can't trade for him. If someone has him stashed on IR for really cheap. And then Devin Duvernay seems to be emerging as the wide receiver too in Baltimore. Um, obviously that's the number three receiving option because of Mark Andrews, but um, you know, he's getting increased usage, the rookie out of Texas. So he's, you know, in a super deep league, um, you know, maybe sprinkle a couple blocks, but like, honestly, I think he's more of a, um, add to a watch list or if just, you know, if you're desperate, put in a $0 bid on him and kind of like your normal leagues. Yeah. Devin Duvernay was actually a, uh, a sleeper that we talked about, uh, before the NFL draft. Actually, we talked about this with Hayden wings of Roto world. A uh, friend of the show and Duvernay, like, you know, we already talked about it before, but 439 speed has actually been really explosive for this Ravens offense. And I think that in general, we're going to see an improvement from Baltimore um, going forward. So I like that call as well. Jeff, for tight ends, um, I like Dallas Goddard as an ad. If for some reason he was dropped, you know, a lot of team or a lot of leagues added an IR spot. Uh, to accommodate COVID and just the uncertainty of this year. So he's possibly or probably stashed there. But Dallas Goddard, remember, we've always said if Dallas Goddard gets uh, the tight end one role all to himself, Zach Ertz is on the shelf. Well, guess what? Dallas Goddard might play this Thursday. And if he does, Zach Ertz will not be out there. And there is really no one besides Travis Fulgham uh, to catch passes from Carson Wentz. So I think like very, very quietly, Dallas Goddard could jump into like the top six or seven of tight ends if he's truly healthy and if he plays this week. Oh, um, I'll just toss out that Trey Burton for Indianapolis could be worth an add. Um, you know, you're kind of chasing the ch touchdowns a little bit, but there's no Mo Ali Cox. And we saw what um, Cox was putting up earlier. And then they also kind of made a point to get Burton the ball um, in like the goal line situation they had him lining up at wildcat and he kept it himself you know vultured my jonathan taylor points thankfully i didn't need them but um so burns that's a player they were kind of making a point to get the ball to there's the familiarity with frank reich he's just came back from injury uh mo cox is out i think he's also another waiver wire like streamer option um too you know it's not not much else for where else for the ball to go in indianapolis anyways yeah, um, I think Trey Burton is, is has always been a very versatile player uh, since his college days, and Philly special. Philly special. That's that's absolutely right. Uh, I, mean, I think in, he was probably the best quarterback in Chicago the last couple seasons, right? It's <laughs> a good point. Going back to his days playing quarterback in college, uh, I mean, honestly, you just want to see players used creatively because that means that they can be uh, less predictable. 
you know, higher chance of, I guess, a big play here and there, but also a little bit more adaptable depending on the game script or the opponent. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, man. Trey Burton has been a big free agent signing for, for teams in the past and hasn't really done anything. So maybe this is the time. How about Gronk? Is he back? Man, I don't know. I actually wasn't able to watch the game, so I don't like to like box score watch too much. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, he's starting to look better. Like, you know, some of the rust has worn off. He definitely WD 40 a couple of those like in hip joints. <laughs> um, you know, he's by no means looks like the Gronk of old, but I mean, he's got decent peripherals. He, you know, Brady was kind of almost making a point to get him the ball in a couple of plays. I mean, I don't know. could be worth picking up if you're desperate as well. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, if he if he passes the eye, I mean, obviously, like, you know, the box score can be a little deceiving. So that's why I said I don't just box score watch. Um, sure. But I mean, yeah, that's four four red zone targets the last few games. He's got eight first downs in. I mean, like this, the peripherals are getting there. His... Yeah, it's so funny, man, because you know what really turned around the moment that he acknowledged and Arians acknowledged that he was brought in to be a blocking tight end. Guess what? He has been anything but. He has all of a sudden started to receive volume. So it's just like, honestly, I mean, the main o- takeaway is that OJ don't Howard trust. injury. Oh, well, yeah, that too. But don't trust Bruce Arians. <laughs> we just can't trust him. Yes, never. So, Jeff, moving forward now, um, let's talk about the Bills. Uh, unfortunately, we have not good news for the second week in a row. The Bills are 4-2. and two. And they have lost to two very good teams. They're both still, oh no, the Chiefs are not undefeated, but the two teams they lost to have a combined one loss. And, uh, the you know, obviously that's the Titans and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. Josh Allen had a pretty terrible start. Uh, he, he was erratic throwing accuracy-wise. Uh, you know, conditions played a role, I think. Although, I don't know that I necessarily saw it from Patrick Mahomes, you know, except for a fumbled snap at one point. So... I don't know, man. I mean, are we seeing Josh Allen regress? I don't I don't necessarily think so. Um, I'll say this. The team has lacked energy the last two weeks. But I don't know. I mean, I think that just in general that the Bills defense um, has caught up a little bit. Uh, although I think that this, maybe it looks like it was a better defensive performance than it was, Jeff, because uh, they they held the Chiefs from, from really running it up. Although obviously completely unstoppable on the ground were the Chiefs. Um, I don't know, man. What were your takeaways from this week? I'm I'm basically not reading too much into it. I think that a loss of the Chiefs by nine points is pretty decent. So, yeah. So I guess regarding Allen, like I don't just my impression, kind of watching on TV was he didn't look like he ever had his feet set. Um, it wasn't so much like the gripping the ball. It just looked like he never was able to like firmly plant his feet on the ground, like because of the weather. I mean. I have no clue. That was just kind of like how things look to me. And, you know, even when he was scrambling, it just, I didn't really see any like hard plants and cuts the way I'm used to. Uh, so I don't know if like maybe that was more of a contributing factor, like with the conditions and him being off than, you know, gripping the football. Um, I mean, but yeah, it wasn't our best performance. The, for the defensive game plan, I mean, I thought the idea was perfect. You'd, you know, it's just the execution wasn't quite there. Uh, we needed to get a couple third or fourth down stops, and we just didn't. But, like, um, you know, and tackling was sloppy. But the fact that the Chiefs ran for 200-something yards 
doesn't that number in of itself doesn't concern me because Mahomes like it was you no know, stop Mahomes or and like you know let them run it or try and you know stop the run but then let Mahomes shred you like you know you pick your poison I'd rather let that's like stable of running backs half the ball than the best player in the NFL um and like we saw at the end on that last drive we when we wanted to actually stop the run we did and then we just couldn't stop Mahomes on third down so, I mean, the ex- so the game plan was fine. It's just the execution wasn't quite there. And, you know, I think the lesson from the last couple of weeks is, um, you know, besides the fact that our defense is a bit banged up, uh, it's, it's not on the same level as it was the last couple of years. And, you know, we're still a step below the best teams in the conference, which, I mean, is fine. Like, we still look like a playoff team. And there's plenty of time over the course of the season to learn from these, you know, last two games and make adjustments so that when we do hopefully see one or both of them in the playoffs, we are, you know, we've learned from it and we're in a position to, you know, win next time. So maybe, you know, we play the Chiefs again, like, hey, this game plan actually what did what we wanted to do. We just didn't execute it as well as we needed to do to win. I mean, that's still valuable. So yes, it's disappointing. But if you had told us at the beginning of the season we were going to be four and two through six games, you know, I I would have taken that. So you know, got to just kind of not not freak out. I mean, I, I read um, one of the Buffalo radio guys. Someone called into the show after the game last night and seriously suggested that Josh Allen should be playing um, nose tackle to help stop the run. <laughs> that's the most absurd thing i've ever heard that person had to be trolling <laughs> it was there's, serious. There's no i mean <laughs> that's how bad like i don't know the bills fans can be insane but um i mean which i mean that's an absolutely absurd and hilarious take uh but yeah i mean just, just come down we we get to have a get right game coming up against the jets should blow them out and then the patriots following that which will be a real good game to hopefully assert our claim over the division. And then we get another um, absolutely elite quarterback in Russell Wilson. So um, maybe we can, you know, cool down his kitchen a little bit. I think the, I think the real takeaway here, Jeff is don't panic. We're four and two. We lost to two good teams. Uh, you know, the Titans game was actually worse than the chiefs game. I think I, I would take that honestly. Yeah. I um, mean, yeah. Like we stopped Derrick Henry. I and mean, he's a better runner than anyone on the chiefs. Like we stopped him because that's what was the game plan was. So it was like, you know, part partially game plan oriented, but I don't know. I think the biggest takeaway is that uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be an absolute league winner in that offense. <laughs> oh man. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Clyde Edwards Taylor just was just got to push your buttons a little bit. I know. I know. He actually, he was running really angry, but you know what? Like uh, even on his highlight run is uh, 37 yards, I believe it was. If you actually watch the replay, the the camera angle from behind the offense, you see that the hole. I mean, yeah, I could have run through there with my entire extended family uh, untouched. Now, the reason that he is still a very talented player is that he made people miss in space. He was pushing through contact, but that's not like that. That's not that special. You know what I mean? So, yes, Clyde Edwards Hilaire looked phenomenal. Um, but don't, don't read too much into the box score because I think what was it, Jeff? Uh, he only scored, he only gained nine more yards than expected 
despite something those, like that that yeah like his, yard his expected yards at handoff was like a hundred something like um you know absolutely massive and he was going up against like five and six man boxes for um like almost the entire game right um, and, which, and I mean, honestly yeah i mean that's kind of what we were discussing offline of like you know situation versus talent i mean the reason for edwards hilaire was largely situation based and you know you were hoping to have game situations such as this exactly and the other thing is i mean this is why todd Gurley was the the elite player that he was for years obviously he was a talented player but i mean he was fading uh you know in in during even that time and but we saw his his usage was so so elite because of how uh unstacked the boxes were for nla and i think that that was part of the fantasy appeal for ch is that you just expected him to not be facing you know i don't think he would be succeeding in tennessee with the way that derrick henry gets played against um you know just to put it in context there i guess so anyway Continue to monitor that for sure. Uh, we should see Le'Veon Bell uh, next week, probably. Um, all right, Jeff, any final thoughts here as we wrap up our week six recap and head into our coverage of week seven? No, nope, I mean, I think we got it. Uh, stay calm, learn from mistakes, and be ready for uh, better horizons in the next few weeks. Good stuff, man. Yep, I am with you. Another profitable weekend, hope, hopefully coming up in week seven. Um, make sure guys to check out the rest of the coverage that we have this week, uh, on Wednesday, probably posted on Thursday. We'll have our buys and sells for week seven with Kyle Singer as usual. And then on Friday, Jeff and I will be back again, uh, covering our week seven preview. Um, and also, you know, in case you haven't uh, signed up yet, don't forget to check out the contested catch up, which is our weekly newsletter that goes out on Thursdays, sign up on the website at contestedcatch.com forward slash catch dash up. Obviously, you can uh, check out the rest of our content and tools there as well. Contestcatch.com forward slash ROC for The Rock and DFS for the DFS Optimizer. If you guys need to reach us, you know where to find us at Buff Bills Stats with one F on Twitter for Jeff and at Contestic Catch on Twitter for me. So with that said, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We wish you good luck this week and on the waiver wire claims. And we'll hope to catch you next time.